LinkedIn News. The new year is a time for reinvention and refreshment. It's also a time for platitudes, like the ones I just mentioned. Either way, it's great to kick off the year on the right foot, especially in your job search and career. But what if you don't know where you're headed? Well, we're talking all about it on today's episode. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs and the ever-changing landscape of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn Senior Managing Editor for Jobs and Career Development, bringing you conversations with experts who, like me, want to see you succeed at work, at home, and everywhere in between. There are a lot of inspirational people online telling you to seize the day and that you got this, which is all true. But many of us don't know what we're seizing or what we got or what we even want. So if you kind of feel that way at the start of this year, this episode is for you. I'm sitting down with Mae Bush, who's an executive coach, advisor, speaker, and author. We're talking all about finding a solid path forward when life and our wants seem uncertain. She's also had an incredibly successful decades-long career herself at Morgan Stanley before becoming a coach. So, what should you know about your career at the start of the year? Here's May. The new year is so pressure-filled, and you're already stressed out from the whole year you've just had. So, the number one thing is I think we should all cut ourselves a little slack, give ourselves grace, and not allow external societal messages dominate our own thinking. I think that is such a good message. A lot of people think they should be purist when it comes to New Year's and resolutions and goals. And I always try to advise people, if you set a goal or you set a resolution, make it for the whole year. Just don't feel like you have to start on January 1st and just be perfect. Maybe you could just make the goal of saying, you know what? I'm going to work on this throughout the whole year. I'm going to stumble, but it'll be okay. That's right. And maybe it's also about focusing on fewer goals and make them more meaningful so that we can really home in on what matters to each of us. And also, it's still a good time to capitalize on whatever feeling you're thinking of and saying, oh, I have a little bit more energy. I feel renewed. So even though you may not hit the ground running, you may not have started writing your resume or looking at your LinkedIn profile on January 1st, it doesn't mean that all is lost. It's still a good time to say, okay, I still have that feeling of something new and fresh, right? Absolutely. So we want to make the distinction between the feeling of being pressured by, in air quotes, the new year and all that it might entail. We want to distinguish between that kind of feeling and the beautiful feeling of if you live in a place where it snows, then opening the door after a fresh snow and seeing, wow, everything is just beautiful and pristine and I have everything to play for. So let's see what we want to draw on this palette for the rest of the year. I think that feeling can be especially hard for people if they don't know where they're going. They may feel lost when it comes to their job search or their career. For those people, what do you think is the message for them? 
Absolutely. And and everybody feels lost at some point, and that's perfectly normal. And there's this quote from Rosabeth Moss Cantor, I believe, who's a Harvard Business School professor. And she talks about leadership and strategy. And she says that every plan can look like a failure in the middle. So we have to recognize that sometimes we're just in that messy middle and we need to just create some kind of structure, have a bit of a plan, do some thinking, and just keep taking steps. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And the other question I have, too, about this is that some people may feel like they're on autopilot. And I think that's usually a good time to hit reset on your career or your job search. But what are other signs that maybe it's a good time to try something new? I think of a couple of scenarios where I think that that makes sense. One is where you feel like you are really unfulfilled. You're just not feeling like you are getting to use all of your talents and maybe they're not appreciated. So in those situations, it's probably time to make a change because most managers don't come in in the morning and say, oh, I want to make everybody miserable, but they want everybody to perform at their best. And so maybe there's something around making a change in the way that you're approaching your work. On the second level, if you've tried all those things, tried everything and you still feel kind of stuck, whether it's looking for a new job or in your current job, then that's another moment where if you've tried everything and it's not working, then that is a moment where I think it makes sense to look seriously at changing lanes, so to speak. And then the third situation is where you are suffering mentally, physically, you're burning out. That is probably the biggest flashing neon sign that you need to make a change. I think those are really good warning signals. There's something going on and you should at least sit down and think about things. And I'm so excited to talk to you about this because I know you help people with this at all stages of their career. But if someone says, okay, I see the red light flashing, I want to do something, I want to change lanes, but I don't know where to start. Where do they start? So when you're looking to get some clarity about where to start, I like to do three kinds of things. One is I like to step back and take a moment to reflect. What is it that is going right? What is it that's not going right? And what does right look, feel, and sound like for me? So just taking a moment and looking dispassionately at what your situation really is. And then I also think it's helpful sometimes to gather data from outside of yourself. So you start to look and observe at what others are doing and how that is or isn't serving them. And maybe you look for people who are more similar to you in terms of values and interests and see what you can glean from that, see what you can learn from that. And the opposite's also helpful. There's somebody who is very opposite to you in terms of their values and the way that they want to be, because sometimes it's useful just to know what you don't want in order to figure out what you do want. And then the third, perhaps the most powerful way to get a little bit more clarity for yourself is to do what I call experiments. And experiments are the smallest possible step you can take that still gives you information about whether or not you're on the right track. Sometimes it's about just trying a bunch of things. It's like putting three different fishing lines into the water and seeing which fish bite. 
Totally. And I love the experiment part of that because people don't realize how easy it is to maybe dip their toes in a profession or an area of interest. And it might sound weird, but there is, and maybe I'm biased because I live in New York, but there are groups and there are experiences for everyone. So if you think, hey, maybe I want to try being a chef or I want to do accounting or something like that. There are groups where you can go in and sort of say, here's what we do day to day. And you could try it out just for a day and you could get a good idea of, does this click with me, right? Absolutely. That's such a great example. And even if you don't live in New York, you probably can find somebody where you might be able to shadow them for half a day or just visit them at their office. And you know how you can get a vibe for a place. Just when you walk in, you can get a feel for what it is like. I think about like trying on the shoes, but without having to buy them. You're just window shopping. Totally. And it doesn't mean if something doesn't click, you're doing yourself a service because what I've always found is that it's the same thing when you try out like activities or hobbies or interests, you sort of get to the end of the day and you say, well, I learned that I never have to do that again. <laughs> and and so you just sort of say, OK, that wasn't for me. And then you move on and you've tackled that. You've answered that question and you feel accomplished. Exactly. And I was just thinking about other possibilities for people who might find it harder to go and do the thing. One of the things that I like to do and I find really effective is to talk to people. And I think of it as interviewing them, but you don't have to think about it as interviewing them. But you're just finding out from somebody who does that thing what it's like, what kind of people are successful, what kind of skills does it take, what kind of interests do people need to have in order to love whatever it is. Yeah. And something that sort of comes to mind at the beginning of a year is people make resolutions or they set goals. And what are realistic goals that maybe people who want to work on their career or their job search can set early on and still make it serve them? So I'm a big fan of setting process goals as opposed to results goals, because process goals are something that you have control over. So if all your goals are only things that are not in your control, it can be really demoralizing. So if it's to find my dream job by the end of the year, well, maybe you will in six months, maybe you will next week, maybe you won't for another year and a half. So a process goal is much more about what actions are you going to take? So it might be that I will have spoken to X number of people, or I will have explored at least three sectors that I have interest in and settled in on one that would be on track for landing my dream job whenever that might happen. So I realize it sounds a little bit more qualitative, but it is definitely something that you'll have a lot more control over. Honestly, I love that answer because so many people, I think, set the wrong goals for themselves and they basically fail themselves before they even finish setting the goal. And the example I often use is for job seekers will say, Every week, I'm going to get two job interviews. And to be honest, that's not in your control. Someone else has to reach out and say, hey, we want to interview you for this job. And then you have to coordinate schedules. But like you said, if you look at the process, well, I'm going to reach out to three people every week and I'm going to set up informational interviews. Those things are within your control. 
So you really do have to sit down and be smart about how you set these goals. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I also just think that your whole point about you want to set yourself up for success and you want to be having wins because so much of our careers and our job searches and everything, it's a mental game and it's a momentum game. Because, you know, we take our career seriously. We take our jobs seriously. And yet it's so much about if it is about how we frame things. So when you write down your goals, whatever goals you decide, one thing that's really nice is if you read them and say them out loud, see if you can feel how it lands with you. How does it feel? Does it cause you stress or anxiety? The things that you don't control, at least for me, I don't know about for you, Andrew, it doesn't feel energizing. Whereas, oh, here's another goal that's kind of interesting. How about this one? How about I will go through the whole year of my job search or my career development without allowing societal norms to determine what decisions I make. We'll be right back with May Bush. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product, though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so... We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back with May Bush, who's an executive coach, speaker, advisor, and author of Accelerate, nine capabilities to achieve success at any career stage. I have this philosophy about how you achieve big goals. And I call big goals aspirations. You and I have talked about the idea of having a career game plan, a career success roadmap, for example. And that is really where you start with the end in mind. Where do you want to end up? And what does that success look, feel, and sound like to you? And then work back from there to steps today. And sometimes when you do it that way, as opposed to saying, what step can I take right now? It gives you some milestone points so that when you are moving back up, you go, oh, okay, I know where I'm heading and I've got these steps in place that can get me there so that you can pre-identify not just what the big goal is, but what some intermediate milestones might be so that when you then come down and break it down into the smaller steps that you can take right now, you can see how it will all add up. 
So it's really about chunking things down to the tiniest little step. Yeah. We've talked about roadmaps before, and I really love that ideology because, you know, if I say, okay, I'm in Washington, D.C., and I want to go to Los Angeles, if I don't have a roadmap, I don't really necessarily know the steps to get there. And it's going to take me a while because it may not be the best route. But if I look at a roadmap ahead of time and say, okay, I'm going to Los Angeles, and I'm going to take this interstate, and then I'm going to go to that interstate— you get there so much more efficiently. And with that plan, you could say, okay, and then if you want to take a detour in the middle, that's perfectly fine. Or if you want to change up the plan, that's also perfectly fine. But at least you know you're moving in the right direction instead of sort of wandering around aimlessly. Exactly. And that's the whole idea. I love what you said about you can always change the plan. You can always take a detour. It's not rigid. It's dynamic. And the process of creating the plan, creating the roadmap, that is the real juice in this, that you will have gone through all that thinking, imagining, envisioning, and you'll get more excited about the whole idea of the road trip. Yeah. And how do you plan that roadmap? We actually run this challenge where we help people go through these steps in five days. And the first step is really to look ahead and say, where do I want to be in three to five years' time? Because that's far out enough that you're not bound by today and where you are right now, but not so far out that you can't even imagine what might be true. I'd like to start there, and then I like to work back from that to say, okay, well, that's where I'm shooting for. If it's West Coast, then, all right, well, what are some intermediate milestones where I can say, oh, yeah, okay, I've arrived at this stop, then that stop, then the other stop. So maybe it's, you know, you pick a few states in between in your analogy there. And then you say, all right, well, what am I going to do in these next 90 days? What would be two, maybe three goals I could set for myself in the next 90 days that if I do those things, achieve those things, I will be on track to get to that next state that I'm going to stop in and ultimately all the way out to the West Coast. And then within that, you parse it down again into sort of three to five baby steps, action steps. I know that some of us can really be procrastinators, especially those of us who are perfectionists. So one of the things that I do for that is I will take out an index card and write at the top the project that I'm procrastinating on. Like maybe it's my career plan or my job search. And then I will write my intention. What's my intention? Well, my intention is to create my roadmap. My intention is to get to done. Sometimes it's just get to done. Once you set your intention of maybe it's making sure that I'm giving myself the, the gift of enough time to do my search properly, then I write down specific action steps. And my first action step might be pull out my old resume. And step two might be pull out my LinkedIn profile. So you see how granular it can be. And so you just are checking those little steps off. I go, yes, I win. I pulled <laughs> out my resume. And then, you know, you keep making steps so that they're just so simple that you can definitely do them. And then it creates a glide path to actually getting to step seven, eight, nine where you're starting to do some real rewriting. Such great advice. And my next question, too, is we talked about that roadmap being dynamic. And I think sometimes people, maybe they want 
that straight roadmap that goes from point A to point B. But we know that life just doesn't work like that. You have things come up and you have to put things on pause for a little bit. So how do you allow that roadmap to be dynamic without feeling like you're starting from square one when you get back to it? One thing you can do is, I call it a career success roadmap. I have a version of it that's just on one page. And I urge people to revisit their roadmap at least every 90 days, because every 90 days, you want to be setting new 90-day goals with action steps. So that is one of the ways that you make it dynamic. Every quarter, you have a chance to redo it. And so if something happens, then okay, fine. You're simply moving some of your 90-day goals into a do-later part of your roadmap. You're not going to never do those things. You're just parking them because, as you say, life gets in the way. Priorities can change very quickly because of that. And just do the bits that you can do during that period. And also what I like about that is that even if maybe your destination changes, so you say, okay, you know what, actually, I don't want to do that anymore. You still have been on that path and you can still look back and say, wow, I really did come far. And you could pick that new destination and say, okay, well, I'm not starting from where I was. I'm starting from this new part. And I have all of the stuff that I've gained along the way. So how can I use that to get to where I'm going? Exactly. Nothing you do is ever wasted when it comes to your career. We are each the sum of our experiences. For example, if I hadn't spent two decades in investment banking, I wouldn't have the lifetime's worth of experience that I can now draw on in my current work, helping people become better leaders and be more successful in their careers. So even though I was never meant to be a banker, it was one of the best things I could have done. <laughs> yeah. And now you use it to help other people with their career. You still have your career. And anyone who looks at your LinkedIn profile will see you keep going and sharing that wealth with people from your journey. And before I let you go, the other thing I wanted to ask is there's Obviously, people who will say, well, like, I'm happy at work, I'm content. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't actually pay attention to their career or they shouldn't do a roadmap because people need to be prepared for changes and they also need to check in with themselves from time to time, right? I think it's really vital because when you're doing well at something, the greatest temptation is to just keep doing what you're doing. And if you carry that out for more than, say, three or six months, a year max, then it's pretty much uh, a recipe for going sideways in your career in the future because things around you change. Nothing is static. We talked about everything being dynamic. And so if you're not evolving, once you get to a level, people are going to say, are they ready for the next level? And so if you're just humming along, doing what you've always done for too long, then you might miss that boat without realizing it. So it's really important to always be developing yourself, always be thinking about how can you learn and grow and add value in a world that is constantly changing. And you mentioned the challenge that you run at the start of each year. And where can people find more about that? There's a link in the notes. So we'd love to invite you to join. It's a free challenge. It's five days. It runs from January 22nd to 26th. It's going to be a fantastic experience that sets you up for a wonderful year ahead. And I know it can be a game changer for all of you who join us as well. We will put the link to your website and the challenge in the show notes. And obviously, people can find you on LinkedIn too, May. Absolutely. LinkedIn, the place to be. Thank you so much, May. This has been so wonderful. Thank you, Andrew. Always a pleasure. 
That was May Bush, executive coach, speaker, advisor, and author. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue this conversation. Also, if you like this episode, leave us a rating on Apple Podcast. It helps people like you find the show. And don't forget to click that follow, subscribe, or whatever other button you find to get our podcast delivered to you every Wednesday. Because we'll be continuing these conversations on the next episode, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. This episode was produced by Alexis Ramdow. Rafa Faria is our associate producer. Asaf Gidron engineered our show. Jota Georgie mixed our show. Dave Pond is head of news production. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Courtney Coop is the head of original programming for LinkedIn. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.